listen, judge of the night, be all. Those who meditate, judge of the night, be all.
everyone, hope you're well, having a good day. Um, today I'm going to start the ID series, I've got my, my very good mate and a special guest, Kato, on the show. We're having a bit of a chat about his music and productions. Just going to have a little bit of a mix and then um, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, hope you're all well.
Thank you. 
This is the first episode of the ID series that I'm going to be running for the next few weeks. This episode, I've had the chance to sit down with Kato, who's been a long-time friend and a producer in the dubstep scene. Thanks very much, Kato, for sitting down with me. And yeah, it's good to see your face again. Haven't seen you for a while since you've been in Amsterdam. Um, and yeah, I just like wanted to sort of get you on the show so you could uh, like chat about your music and producing and just like remember from your journey from when we were kids in school and then when you moved to Leicester and then your dubstep journey really began and then, yeah, it's just like where were you really inspired? What sort of got you into music production and sort of like how did Leicester have a, an influence on you as a producer and then went on to like other bits and pieces? Yeah, nice. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Josh. <laughs> Good to see you too. Um, I think... What really got me into production probably was hip hop. That I, I started making that like really loosely with um, really basic softwares. I don't know if you ever heard of Hip Hop DJ, which is a ridiculous no. old software, and like you basically have to drag and drop big chunks of like eight bars, and then you can layer stuff. So I kind of just got a very basic understanding of that when I was like really young, but not really thinking about any technical aspects of it. And then as I got older, I realized, you know, there's softwares like Ableton, and that's when I started making music back at school. And then uh, that I think that's when we started making music together, back, at, mm. back, in, the, back in the orchard days. <laughs> yeah. But the, to be honest, I found the software so complicated and I was so sort of uh, narrow-minded and just didn't really have the patience and I didn't really have anyone older than me or able to kind of teach me how to use it. So I had the software and I really tried, but I didn't really grasp it. I couldn't really get hooked. And it wasn't until I went to uni later on where I was like, okay, let me really try this software. And I got, I think, Reason and then Logic. And as soon as I got Logic, everything made more sense. And I, I kind of got addicted to making music. Mm. And I think that's kind of a mixture of like always wanted to make music so I was, I was playing the piano when I was super young and then um, I always knew I wanted to make beats so I was playing the piano but I, I actually wanted to play the drums yeah. I always wanted to play the drum when, when I was really young but where we lived it just would have been too noisy would have drove the neighbors crazy so um, the piano just seemed a bit more logical and, mm. um, but deep down, I, I, I always liked drums. I always liked drums, bass. So it's probably not a surprise mm. later on I started making music like what I do now because of that interest with like rhythm, drums, bass. It still, yeah. still fascinates me. Well, yeah, all your music's pretty percussive. It's like it's got loads of in, intricate percussive elements and things like that. So it's like it always comes through in your tunes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the, the thing is, melody has always been has always been really there. I feel like um, there, there's something about a good melody, a good like chord progression, which is really inspiring. And it's, it's kind of easy to, to be swept away with that. But I don't know how it works, but there's, there's something about drums which are really just impactful. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I guess I've always had that interest with drums. It, like you can get rid of the melody and have the drums just by themselves and it still sounds good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how did you get into sort of like making dubstep from hip hop? So basically, there was a tune called Night by Benga. Big tune. Okay, yeah. And I just remember hearing that tune. I used to listen to, actually, wait, let me explain like this. I used to listen to Plastician. I think it was every Tuesdays when I was about 
14 or 15. So this is before dubstep was like a thing. And you like Skepta would always be on this show with Plasticity. And uh, this this show was on Kiss 100 and it was only played at like um, one in the morning. So you really had to just make sure you're awake and uh, you're, you're locked in during that time. And I remember hearing tunes which was like a mix between grime and hip hop. So it would be mm. like grime, but there was a much more emphasis on the halftime. So the snare was always in the middle. Mm. And um, I think it appealed to me because it, it sounded a little bit more like hip hop. Yeah. And um, so I remember, yeah, there was like Skepta who's always on the show, Plastician was DJing. And no one even was talking about the word dubstep. And it was more just seen as grime. Mm. Baselines, everything about what I was hearing just sounded really futuristic. And like, I barely knew anybody apart from my cousins and a few close friends at school that were kind of showing any interest in this music. So it's kind of like, if, if you liked it, then you, yeah, good luck with trying to find other people who like this stuff as well. And obviously I was too young to get in any clubs at this point. So it was just like this interesting sound. I remember hearing Midnight Request Lion, uh, Cotty had a few tunes out with Doctor, the mm. uh, night was going on um, and all these tunes I, I didn't even know they were all from the same genre but at the time I just remember hearing these tunes thinking man I really like these tunes but I, I had no idea they were all connected mm. and um, it wasn't until years later that it started catching on it started to be more of a movement and yeah 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 I, yeah we were still too young to go to any of these clubs at this point but that's I guess when people like Horsepower Production they start to get involved and um, then it blew up to something way different. But at the time, I guess it was music at 140 BPM, snares in the middle, half-time emphasis, um, really bassy. All of that stuff kind of just seemed to be really interesting at the time. But I, I had no idea that it was all one genre. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I remember when you used to find it, you used to just like play it to us and stuff like that and you'd be like oh man have you listened to this yeah. tune like what, do you know what yeah. this is and everyone would be like nah not really yeah. sure what this is I thought Pete I thought when I first heard tunes like uh, Midnight Press Line and um, even like Plasticity's tunes like I think was it Shallow Grave I remember having these tunes on my laptop and um, thinking that they sound incredible they sound so futuristic they sound so different the, the hi-hats, the drum patterns were just so unique. The bass lines were like wobbly. Like all this stuff was just really fascinating. And um, I assumed that everybody would be as interested in it as I was because it sounded so good. But then I realized, mm -hmm. no, not, <laughs> not many people really were. It was just such a niche thing that, that it, you know, some people like, some people don't like. It's like Marmite, you either like yeah, it or yeah. don't. And, um, yeah, at the time, that would have been around 2005, 2006, maybe, yeah. maybe even 2004. But it was really early. And um, still to this day, those, those changes, they still inspire me. They still make me want to make music. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then when you moved up to Leicester for uni, did you, is that where, well, that's where I remember, like, you started, like, like all your sounds started coming together. Yeah. And you just always be like, oh, I've made this tune. Like, oh, what do you think of it? Yeah. And we used to like, do you remember when we like used to drive around in my car? And you just, because I had a sub in the back, you're like, I just need to watch it, yeah. <laughs> hear what the sub sounds like. Yeah, of course. I think when I went to uni, that's when I found more people who were also really into this sound, which um, at the time, then it was being coined. I think Fabric 
um, Life had that mix out. And then mm. there was this legendary tune after legendary tune on that mix. And then mm. that, that happened right during uni. I think first year of uni still. And the, the timing of all that coming together is just really fluky because mm. I don't know, like we, we missed the, the jungle movement. We were too young. We, we missed obviously the punk. We missed um, the house movement. And I remember just growing up ever since I was really young thinking it would be really fascinating to be part of a musical movement. Mm. And um, then suddenly you kind of find yourself in one. So, uh, so it's kind of, it makes you want to sort of relate to other musical movements that, that happen like within subcultures. So I think dubstep came along and that was such a mix of so many different genres of music, but it, it's all at 140 BPM. Mm-hmm. Um, was was of obviously really appealing. So the, the time I went to uni, that's when I decided just to insecate music softwares a bit more and um, actually properly make music. Because I think I heard people were saying, yeah, like these tunes were made on people's laptops. And I remember, mm-hmm. really? Like, you can actually make tunes on your laptops mm-hmm. that can get played in clubs. So as soon mm-hmm. as I, I was wo- more aware of that, I was like, man, I've got to get this a go. Mm-hmm. When I went to uni, that's when I just really got into it. And um... yeah, because it's just like your the amount of music that you made and released in sort of quite a quick succession. It's just like you released music on Prime Dub with that Jeez and Bread EP on Inner Rhythm Records with Abstract Thought and Make It Grimy. Then you were like on Sin City recordings with Hatcher and N Type. And then you've like you worked with like Lucy Randall, Flo Dan, Rico Dan, um, and then you're on Hatched um, record label as well with, with Judda, and then with Jack um, with Jack Wobb's record label uh, Boomting with Pressure as well. It's just like it's quite a extensive sort of amount of releases that you had, and then you also had a radio. I remember that was um, with that Hugh Stevens show when you had that track you did with Doctor, yeah. and that was played on Radio One. It was in like 2010 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it was just sort of. I think like. A, a lot of when we look at it like from this distance it all looks like it, it happened really quick but it really was mm. a lot of work like the time mm. my music was actually the first time it got played on radio was yeah on on bbc with hugh stevens and um e- even back then i felt like oh finally now it's like <laughs> finally like people are listening <laughs> to it but really i was still in the early stages of production yeah and um I think, you know, there's for every one tune that people hear, there's about 10 tunes that people don't hear that, that I've been making. So um, I think when I was yeah making music a lot, probably 2010, I also think I was in a really like perfect time to make music because I kind of was, yeah, I left uni by that point. I started working full time so then I could actually afford more of the, the equipment. Mm. The majority of my friends were still at uni, so I didn't really have that much distraction. And I was able just to, yeah, and I, I, I still was living at home as well. So mm. rent really wasn't an issue. And all these things were in perfect alignment. The, the, the whole 140 scene at that point was still moving quite a lot and it was shifting. Yeah. You, know, you had other records. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Out. So there was still so much inspiration. I had loads of time and, um, it was a lot easier to do. And um, I think now what, what I'm really working on is basically trying to replicate 
freeing up more time to make more music again. So mm. that is well, that's the plan. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just that um, one of your last releases was on uh, was Jack Webb's Boomting Records. Is the the track Pressure? It's like, what did it like? How did you sort of get about making that? Sort of like, what was the inspiration of that? Yeah, so Pressure is basically it's a jungle tune, really, but it's just at like one three five BPM. Yeah. So um, without getting too technicals with the BPMs, <laughs> I, I still like a lot of one forty music that will always really interest me. Um, but I think there's so much you can do with it. So um, I figured, all right, let me um, mess around a lot with this, like jungle sounds and um, sampling. I love sampling. Um, so I, yeah, I, I put together like a lot of tracks which are more 140 jungle sounding tracks. And I, I guess yeah. that was one of them, but there was like a real emphasis on just minimal, getting rid of a lot of stuff, which may, um, clutter the sound and, and put more emphasis on like space reverbs stuff like that mm. but i think really in terms of like what inspired me to make it i can't really think of anything too profound to say i just felt like making a track <laughs> <laughs> and then it, that that's how it came out is you know yeah yeah because well obviously like knowing knowing you sort of like how your sound evolved and things like that when you released your album the unknown and then you had like the pressure which was sort of like a quite it was like we could still tell that it was you but you had like a different direction do you yeah, know what i mean it's like from the unknown was like really sort of big synths loads of sort of like vocals and yeah it was like and then pressure was a bit more sort of like um yeah yeah as you true. said like jungle and like deep that's really true so that's a good point so initially i think when i was making a lot of 140 music so many like i'm i kind of was looking for a gap to make like music at 140 which had a bit more melody because some mm. of 140 um got to a point and we all know this where a lot of 140 just sounded like noise mm. <laughs> and just like really repetitive like synths that kind of put a bad taste in them um, in the whole sort of sound of, of dubstep so yeah i remember leaning a lot on the facts of melody that i loved playing the piano and and I wanted to incorporate a lot of that, um, those elements. So yeah. melody was like something which I really lent on. Um, and even though I, I, I lent a, a lot of melody in a lot of earlier production, I think uh, I still craved to make and hear just hard drums and bass. Mm. And um, so I think what happened when I started making music like Pressure, um, this is a funny thing to, to say, but it's actually really true. I didn't really have that much space where I was making my music. I had a smaller desk, which meant I couldn't fit my keyboard on there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I couldn't really use melody as much. So as a result, I put more emphasis on the drums and the bass. Yeah, yeah. And just figured, look, if I can't really use melody as much because I don't have as much space as I'd like to put a keyboard on my desk, then let's just get inspired again through bass and and uh, and and drums, and then just see see what happens. So tunes like that, I think there's other tunes which are more like techno driven as well that I've made, which really doesn't have any uh, emphasis on the melody. But I, I yeah, I like both. I can't say oh I'm all for melody, then I'm all not for melody. I think there's like a time and place for it. But definitely when I, when I was making tunes like Pressure. A lot of a lot of those tunes are made out of like, that.
moved to Amsterdam, what was it, like four, four or five years ago now? I've been here, yeah, five years ago now. Yeah, um, and it's just like, how do you see sort of, it's influenced your sound, it's like, what do you see the difference of being in London and sort of like being within the London clubbing scene and now Dutch clubbing scene, it's like, yeah. have you seen a big difference, is there a big difference for you and has that sort of influenced you in different kind of ways? Yeah, I, I try I try and think of this, like, to wonder if it has really influenced and I think it has, but not in a, not in a really like predictable way. So, so what I mean is, the, the music that I'm making now is more because I miss a certain sound which I'm not really hearing anymore. So in in the Netherlands, um, garage is, is is big, but it's not big like in the UK. Like mm. you might hear a massive like garage banger played in the club, but the reaction is is so minute. And if that same tune was played in the UK, everyone would like. We, Turn the roof off. Yeah, there, people would <laughs> gun, gun fingers and everyone would be asking for wheelocks. But here it's like, oh, it's just a, it's just a tune. Like, no one really gets that excited. Mm-hmm. Unlike uh, people in the UK, they get way more excited about like a garage anthem or, or yeah, a, any track which is probably jungle or garage inspired. The, the reaction you get in the UK is far bigger than the reaction you get in the Netherlands. Which which is fine. Like they've got tracks here which are much more techno and house orientated, and mm. um, I would say the the gem. It's hard to say a genuine sound, but the, the production is like real clean, and it's really yeah. like um, four to the floor um, sort of house and techno stuff, which I I really enjoy. I really love that. Before even moving here, I was really into that sound as well, like a lot of techno. Mm. But the, a lot of the sound which I'm making is probably as a result of what I'm missing. So yeah. more like dirty, garagey sounds, jungle sounds. Um, yeah, like th- these are more of the vibes which I feel is, are so English and you don't really realize how English they are until you move to another country. Um, but they're still yeah. enjoyed here. I, I wouldn't say, oh, no one likes it. it they, they do, but it's just not as not as big. Like, it seems it's not as big here for that sort of sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's just like one of the tracks that you've been making recently is the Don't Be Shy. Is that sort of like how, oh, yeah. is that kind of a reflection of, of that? Yeah, well, it's funny. Like, Don't Don't Be Shy is like, is actually like now a really old track. I, I think I did it about five years ago. I think I did it like a year before I moved here or something, or maybe just before I moved here. And mm. um, this was before I was really getting inspired by Bicep and a lot of these other guys who were making a similar sound where there mm. seems to be this revival of it's been happening for a while now but like 90s dance garage house jungle sounds are being mm. sort of like merged together made at around 130 bpm and um it's easier to, to mix in it's easier for people to understand generally but you you still are able to um to to satisfy like those those vibes of like the uk underground music you can still get that sound from it so I've made um, that track, Don't Be Shy, um, yeah, about four or five years ago. And I think that was basically like a a shift into my inspiration where I was getting more like, you know, at peace with, yeah, don't worry. Not everything has to have loads of melody. Not everything has to be crazy. Just focus on those drums, focus on like, uh, mm. it, like a lot of that track has taken elements of techno and um, 90. Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah. yeah, like 90s house and 90s techno. Lots of breaks. Like I, I kind of made that track thinking I, I don't want it to sound that new. I want it to sound like it, it could have been an old track. 
and mm. I, I really kind of like that. So um, I think, yeah, making that track was probably a little shift into changing up my sound a little bit more. Sweet. Well, let's give it a spin. So don't be shy, by Kato.
I'd also like to mention this new project that you've been sort of working on slowly in the background, which is Flop Records. You've started releasing some of your back catalogue on there, and you're thinking of what is yeah. that? It's like a is it like a lifestyle kind of brand as well as like music and stuff like that? Yeah, I think with with Flop Records, it's it's been like a label which I've been like uh, umming and ahhing about for ages, and uh, just trying to find the time to to do it is uh, is tricky. So I think. Um, for now, I'm just going to push it as as a as a record label. I've got like bigger plans for it later on, but really, I just need to just do one thing at a time. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as it stands, I think I'm basically just in the process of push pushing out like old tracks. So the album that I worked on years back, the um, without getting in too much details, the the um, the, the rights of it, or like, I'm not really sure how it properly works out, but in the end, it had to get pulled down from iTunes. And um, I think it's because there was a lot of publishing companies that went bust. So as a result, mm. to remove a lot of these tracks, which resulted in my whole album <laughs> being removed. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, that's a lot of hard work that you put into to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's kind of like it doesn't even exist. So I've had a few people over the years been like asking oh I used to have your tracks but I, I lost them and then when I go on iTunes I can't find them anymore so mm. I figured let me just go back on uh, on these old tracks and then I just re-release these on um, on Beatport and then put it out on as my own label um, the, the only issue with doing this is like when you hear tracks which you, you made years back you're like you don't even like them anymore <laughs> so, <laughs> like I've, I've basically yeah, I've got these tracks, which I'm like, mm, just so unsure. But I figured, look, these are old tracks. Let's just, you know, deal with it, put them out. And then I'll put the new ones out after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can you can grab, um, what is it, Grade A and Dark Energy, isn't it, on your, yeah. on your band camp? Yeah, I think whether I'm going to release them all again, I, I'm not 100% sure. But I think there's a few which, yeah, I'm, I'm all right with still. So I can put some of them out. Well, some of them could be a selector secret anyway, so you can just <laughs> they were like, "Who's that?" Is that I'm not saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's also a tune like "Who's Kato?" It's like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's just like I don't know. I've, I've always like supported your tunes, and I've really enjoyed playing them out. And you always get a good reaction. I've like played a few in, on the radio as well, and it's just like it's good to hear that you're making music again and sort of like thinking of releasing um releasing more music in the future and stuff like that and you sent one over like quite recently which is fearless it's like yeah what did you what's what's the what was this what was the inspiration of that that track i think um yeah i, I make a lot of tracks sometimes just because i i, I want to hear something myself or there's like a sound or something which influenced it so i think with, with fearless it's just me just making 140 music again. I think that sounds a lot more like my older stuff, to be honest. It's mm. like 140. There's, there's definitely a real hip hop element you can hear in there, but it's like yeah. a bit of a grime element as well. So I think with, with tracks like Fearless, they're similar to tracks like Wrong Neighborhood, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where they're, I don't know, a little bit aggy, <laughs> maybe for the clubs to, to play on a big system. But, uh, I think that's probably when it comes to dubstep. That's probably like one of I don't know my, my favorite things about it is like the, there's a certain sound which is just so different that you get from dubstep. There's a different energy you get from it. So mm. I think with Fearless, it was a bit of a play into that. So um, 
Yeah, and like what dubstep of 140 is starting to come back as well now. Like I think it's sort of it's going to be the re-emergence of the scene as well. You can sort of see more some of the old DJs getting rebooked and stuff like that. And so it's like, yeah, yeah. it'd be see where it'd be interesting to see where this new music that you're making, like yeah. where it's sort of like goes into the scene and stuff like yeah. that. It's exciting. Yeah, exactly. I think like you got people like Fred again, and, and he's he's working with Flowdown and Skrillex, and they they're making some really interesting stuff. I think the only way for like dubstep to come back would be for it to be just as a different sound. And mm. when when you hear a lot of, it's weird because it feels like there's there's always this cycle. So when when I look at it and I, I remember hearing other people talking about how dubstep first got big initially was because there was so much like <laughs> music like that and there wasn't really any mm. emphasis on snares as much. And eventually you had this sound which could be mixed into the same sound as the four to the floor stuff yeah. it was almost like oh this is it's got more space this is like refreshing and i think what's happened is we've now got the house scene the garage scene has been around now for a really long time everyone's been into house for a long time it's been much more socially accepted to be into house <laughs> than it is to say you're into dubstep and i think now people are, are kind of that same cycle of 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 where like 140 sounded refreshing is happening again mm. a lot of the people who i'm listening to they can they, they're actually still making 140 music but it doesn't sound like dubstep and i feel like this is probably how it's going to come back again mm-hmm. it's like i'm doing a lot of stuff which is at 140 but i don't think it's very obvious to say oh this is dubstep it's just it's just a bpm that, that's all it really is i think mm. as long as djs can mix it in whether it's got a snare in the middle or not, like, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? If it's good music, it's good music. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, well, thanks very much for um, sitting down with me. I appreciate your time. And, yeah, like, for those listening, like, check out Kato's Bandcamp. There's loads more tunes to come out. And, yeah, we'll finish off with um, with tr- your track, Fearless. And, yeah, thanks so much for, for sitting down and chatting. Thank you for having me, Josh. Pleasure. So, it's all right, mate, in the future. <laughs> Sweet, much love, brother. Thank you.
Big Up Dub Sausage and Dick Nose.
Big up Dubsons for this one. We have been given the scientific knowledge, the technical ability, and the materials to pursue the exploration of the universe. To ignore these great resources would be a corruption of a God-given ability.
underneath is a track by Kata called No Love. Everyone, 